When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Podcast with me, Matt Chorley. Now, before we come to today's episode, would you like to be on the radio? Uh, lots of you have already got in touch about taking part in our on-air quiz. Can you get to number 10? It's just answering some very easy general knowledge questions. And depending on how many you answer, you join our cabinet. We've got a few places in the cabinet and we would like you to come on the air and fill them. So if you would like to be on Times Radio doing my quiz, can you get to number 10? Just email me, matt.chorley at times.com. Dot radio, and we'll get you on the radio very, very soon. Now, a packed show on Times Radio today, but there was really only one issue that dominated the issue of Russia, the Russia report from the Intelligence and Security Committee. So I spoke to two experts to tell us how surprising the results should be, what will Moscow make of it, and put it into the historical context of how serious it all is. The Intelligence and Security Report into Russian threats in the UK has now been published uh, just half an hour ago. Uh, the press conference is ongoing. It covers uh, the inquiry, covers disinformation campaigns, cyber tactics and uh, the role of Russian expatriates in the UK, as I was discussing with Tom Newton-Dunn, the role of uh, money laundering through the U- through the city of London, even the role of estate agents in allowing uh, Russian oligarchs to buy up property uh, in the UK. The uh, report says that Russia's cyber capability, when combined with its willingness to deploy it in a malicious capacity, is a matter of grave concern and poses an immediate and urgent threat to our national security. It found that the UK is one of the top targets for Russia, it's impossible to say whether or not it did interfere in the Brexit referendum, uh, mainly because the government did not want to know. Stuart Hosey, an SNP MP, a member of the Intelligence Committee, said no one in the government wanted to touch the issue of Russian interference with a 10-foot pole. Let's listen to what Stuart Hosey had to say. We know that Russia targets the UK, and not just to steal secrets or research. It suits Russia if there is disunity in the West. It weaponizes information. Uh, now, it has to be said that, that those hoping that today's Intelligence and Security Committee report into Russia would provide fresh evidence of President Putin's attempt to interfere with the electoral process are probably likely to be disappointed. Quite a lot of what is in there refers to uh, open source reporting, uh, which is basically things which are already in the public domain. But pull, when it's all pulled together, it does paint quite a worrying uh, picture. Uh, in the end, uh, it, it basically finds that, that Russia's main actions are to damage the West. Anything which damages the West is fundamentally good for Russia. So let's try and unpack what the report actually tells us, what we know 
this morning that we didn't know yesterday and uh, more importantly maybe what we should be doing about it i'm joined now to talk about all of this with two people who know probably know more about russia than anyone else and certainly a lot more than i do jonathan Eyle is a senior director of the defense and security think tank rusi good morning jonathan good morning and uh, dr calder walton is director of research at the intelligence project of uh, harvard university good morning Good morning. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to start us? Uh, just just explain what leaps out with you, the significant parts of this report. Well, first of all, the confirmation that the Russian involvement did take place. Remember, only a few months ago, it was still subject of discussion. So that there was a Russian involvement in both the general elections uh, of 2015 and uh, in the uh, Scottish independence referendum a year previously. Now, that would indicate the failure of uh, security services to pay attention to it, or the British government to pay attention to it, is more than just a question of the future security of the UK. It also had an impact on uh, the, the surprise performance of the Russians in the American elections, in American presidential elections of 2016. So what this indicates, first of all, is that this process, uh, this process of undermining Western democracies did not start with uh, President Trump in 2016, but was going on much further, uh, that there was a woeful lack of experience in London among the analytical agencies in trying to identify what the threat was. And uh, there was uh, there was an awkward and rather expensive silence on this one because if the alarm bells were raised in Britain in 2014 and 15. It is just possible that the American reaction in 2016 would have been different. Just to be clear, so there, there were attempts to to what muddy the waters, persuade people to vote a certain way. Um, what what was the what's the Russian aim in all this? Was it was it to secure Scottish independence in 2014, and then what a conservative victory in 2015? What what's the aim? Did it actually make any difference? Obviously, I think, yeah, I think we can see look at it as the Russians pushing one single agenda. The main objective of uh, President Putin and his accolades is not necessarily to put a conservative party in power or or a Republican party in power. But it is to discredit the idea of democracies as a resilient and as efficient forms of government. So if you sow doubts about the elections, if you encourage uh, conspiracy theories about ballot boxes being stolen or stuffed with papers, if you discredit individual politicians with malicious personal campaigns, if you raise questions about the whole way the government works, uh, and if you discredit the political system, what you achieve is Putin's main objective, a weakened West and a world safe for authoritarian governments. Uh, there's been Calder Walton in there from the Harvard University. Do you agree with Jonathan as to the bits that leap out at you? Anything else that you spotted in this report? Yeah, I do agree with uh, what Jonathan has just been saying. I mean, the, the the thing that jumped out at me just flipping through the report as it's just come out right now is um, just what Jonathan said. It didn't, um, as some of us hoped, it didn't detail actual uh, events of Russian meddling. But more for me, the big message of this report is an abject failure to look 
for evidence um, by the uh, the British government. So they they turned around and said, well, we don't know of any evidence of um, Russian meddling. Um, but at the same time, they haven't asked the intelligence services, the intelligence community to look for that evidence. So this is really, I'm afraid to say, a kind of Trumpian kind of um, approach. Well, nobody's told me. I said, well, you haven't asked. So it's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely extraordinary. The report says that it's a hot potato. Nobody wanted to touch this. You know, obviously, it, it sort of cuts right to the heart of um, um, what they've been able to achieve politically if there is somehow sort of um, a cloud of illegitimacy uh, around this. Uh, to, your, to your point, Matt, earlier about um, the actual impact that all of this has, the report says that it's uh, difficult, if not impossible, to prove. And that's just the same uh, conclusion about Russian meddling on this side of the Atlantic in, in the US. Um, uh, difficult, if not impossible, to prove. In, in the US, we know before, in the 2016 election, we know that around 120 million US people uh, read Russian-backed disinformation on Facebook. We also know that the um, that President Trump won uh, the US election by about 80,000 votes in key swing states. Now, those, those are facts. You can't argue with them. But what we can't do is go further than that uh, and say, well, did this person because they read some Russian-backed disinformation, did it actually change their, their views? I think you would, be able to, uh, uh, you would be able to determine that if you had polling. We don't have polling. Um, but certainly I was hoping that there would be a lot more grit um, of the actual sort of uh, mechanics of Russian disinformation in this report. There is, as always, with um, intelligence services and intelligence communities, there is a secret annex to the report, and I'm guessing that that's where a lot more um, skeletons um, are hidden at cupboard. Um, so watch this space. Hopefully um, there will be uh, more investigations um, about all of this. Uh, Jonathan, bringing you back in from the uh, security think tank, Rusi, what's what's a, sort of more of a threat to the UK? Is it the the idea of influencing elections, spreading disinformation online, or is it you know there's actually quite a lot in the report about the money, the 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 way that money is used to influence politics? There's been a lot of spotlight of uh, you know Russian donors to the Conservative Party, Russian money going through the City of London, estate agents lumped in as uh, as part of the problem as well. Um, I mean, in a way, if you want, we were talking about this earlier, but if you if you want to bring about some sort of change in the UK, targeting the people at the very top of politics would seem. A, a more um, straightforward way of going about it, rather than sort of, you know, targeting 60 million people in the whole country. If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, if you ask me to choose between the two threats, I mean, basically the answer is that both threats are very fundamental because both threats sort of uh, uh, can destroy faith in a democratic process and in the system of elections. The kind of debates that we had in the United States were literally, at the end, everyone assumes that the elections were stolen by someone. Um, so, uh, so both are a threat, but the immediate threat must be the integrity of the electoral process. And the good bit about the report is that it says that there's no evidence that the actual, the way we operate our system uh, it has been compromised, that the system is still robust. Now, the question of, of money and influence of money through donations is, of course, a very complicated one because it brings in the whole question of how we finance political parties. Uh, but I think that the problem with the City of London is that it's not just a, a big financial centre. It's an ecosystem of financial services. And many of the services used by oligarchs have nothing to do with actually bank deposits, but more with lawyers that provide them with flags of convenience and empty shell companies, uh, estate agents, as you mentioned, that provide them with the means to launder the cash through property uh, and uh, the entire network. Um, I think a lot has been done on this point in terms of the unexplained uh, wealth uh, orders, which now force people to explain where they bought their cash into the UK. So the environment is changing. What is particularly surprising about all of this is that it's so surprising, namely that people had to wait until now to discover about Russia's nefarious objectives. The reality is that the Russians have always interfered in other countries' elections. We better forget the Cold War began in 1945 because they faked elections in Eastern Europe. So this is not a new phenomenon. It is with the, for the first time that we're looking at it properly. And yeah, my my slight sense is that people who 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 didn't like the outcomes of various elections over the last five six years will will seize on this report and say this is proof that there's anything wrong. And actually, the people on the other side will say that this this report proves that there was nothing uh, uh, wrong in all this. Um, I just want to ask you. Um, so uh, we've had a, a tweet in from Tony Hay it says, "Are the Russians actually doing all of this espionage, or is it just enough that we believe they're doing it? Just the thought they're interfering is sufficient to destabilize our political process. They can do nothing; just sit back and laugh at us." Uh, to, to what extent, is, you know, do we do we ascribe everything to sort of Russian interference? Well, actually, it might not be. Um, but but Russia's quite happy for us to think that. Colter Walton. Well, when I when I heard that tweet just now, I cast my mind back to a report I recently read from the end of the Cold War, uh, from the late 1980s, which uh, a, a U.S. report which assessed exactly this, but in terms of Soviet espionage and Soviet um, active measures. And the report said, um, is it real? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. Is it right that we consider that the Kremlin is a sort of master puppeteer? No. So in other words, the two things can be can be true at the same time. Uh, Soviet espionage and Soviet active measures were true. Russian espionage, Russian active measures, um, true today. Are they the sort of the master puppeteers uh, for world events as they're sometimes presented? No. And in fact, what we find, the more and more you look at 
um, first Soviet in the Cold War subversion and now Russian subversion, is that actually uh, really the messages that they were amplifying um, both recently and in the past always came from somewhere within a society. All that the Kremlin has ever done is to amplify discord and disunity and distrust within our own societies. So really, um, the wounds that they are exposing are, are, are made in Britain, they're made in the West, they're made in the US. And just on, on the sort of historical context, how does what's laid out in the report today compare to what's gone on since the Ab- Second World War? Absolutely. Well, I, reading this report was uh, the, the, the thought that crossed my mind is plus a change. Um, we, we, this report says that um, the, the word they used that caught my eye was nihilistic, um, that there's a sort of Russia's um, strategic aim is nihilistic, um, chaos, discord, um, amplified tensions within Western societies. And that is exactly the same as um, post-Second World War Soviet um, strategy in terms of active measures. Anything and everything that could be done to undermine, to weaken Western societies, yes, interfere in elections, try to recruit agents um, within governments in the West, certainly, but also just to amplify conspiracy theories, um, whether it's the uh, the AIDS conspiracy theory that the US government created, the AIDS um, uh, virus, or numerous, many, many other conspiracy theories. Um, the the idea was to simply create chaos in the West on the assumption that the further uh, weakened and divided uh, Western governments and societies were than Russia, what would be by default winning. And it seems to me that that's exactly the same. And of course, it's exactly the same because President Putin himself was a former KGB officer trained in Soviet active measures in the 1980s. What Putin uh, has done is simply to recalibrate, update, and innovate the old KGB playbook and redeploy it for the modern digital age. Same strategy, different technologies. At least that's the way I see it. Jonathan Eel, let me bring you back in there. To what extent is Britain engaged in any of this stuff? You know, we, we treat like Russian are the bogeymen in all of this. Uh, they, they're not, clearly not the only bogeyman in the world. Um, but Britain's got a pretty sophisticated security operate, you know, secret services and... Uh, national security operation. Do we engage in any of this stuff? Well, of course, in terms of collecting information, intelligence information, we do engage in this stuff. We do collect information. And yes, occasionally there were discussions about undermining other governments. But um, but but the reality still is that this discussion is going in inverse proportions. A lot of the last two decades uh, or so, there was a lot of discussion in Western capitals uh, about the usefulness of trying to undermine other governments. The whole debate about regime change, as you would recall. And the general consensus was that these efforts should be only tried very, very cautiously and that their chances of success are actually rather small. So while we were discussing about how to try to avoid these destabilization measures, largely because they don't actually succeed, or shall we say the success 
is unpredictable. Um, that is exactly the moment when the Russians and the Chinese expanded it. I mean, we're talking this morning about Russia for very good reasons, but the reality is that we're also seeing a massive expansion in Chinese activities, which are quite similar of a lot of official uh, tweet accounts uh, organized by Chinese embassies around the world, plus a lot of unofficial bots uh, that are propagating uh, Chinese propaganda. So it's going, the debate is going among intelligence services in inverse proportions. Our intelligence services are very doubtful about such activities, while the Russians and the Chinese are pumping more and more efforts into them. Um, while we've been talking about another uh, text in from uh, someone who's actually not in, not included their name, they say whether it, whether this report supports one's view on Brexit or not is one question. But the major question to me is what was the justification for not releasing it? They must think we're fools to make their lies so transparent. That's the mm. truest sinister bit, which is a sort of political uh, view. But uh, given that um, we seem to be saying that there's nothing in here that's hugely surprising, it does seem very odd that the government hasn't released it. I mean, I, I struggle to see how this would have proved a sort of dynamite moment during the election campaign last year, Jonathan. Right. Yeah. So there's two, there's two explanations. One is more malign than the other. <laughs> the more benign explanation is that the government uh, wanted to remove it from the electoral cycle precisely in order not to raise questions about the management of the December general elections and not to ask to get into a discussion about who is influencing whom. That, if you wish, would be the benign interpretation. The less benign interpretation is that uh, the prime minister didn't want too much attention to the possibility of a discussion about the donors to the conservative parties, and that there was an element of personal pique in it, because Dominic Grieve was responsible for the report. And of course, by December last year, he was an independent candidate uh, standing against Brexit in his constituency. Uh, I suspect it was a mixture of all these things. Namely, the objective was political. It was embarrassing for the government. Uh, but at the same time, there was also the feeling that perhaps with the general election around the corner, the last thing you need is a big discussion about how robust our system is. Uh, one of the things that uh, um, strikes me is when we're talking about sort of Twitter accounts and uh, and you know, estate agents and money in the city. Um, the, the for me, the single most extraordinary uh, moment of Russian interference in the UK was the Salisbury poisonings. You know, two people targeted with a nerve agent on British soil in the UK. Uh, Calder Walton in, from the Harvard University. I mean, that's that's you know, un, undeniable Russian interference, interference in the UK, isn't it? Rather than squabbling over which which Twitter account belongs to who. Absolutely. And again, to go back to the historical perspective, it seems to me that what we're looking at um, with the, um, the, the, the Skripal uh, attempted assassination in, in Salisbury was really a reactivation of Soviet intelligence uh, tradecraft of assassinations from the Cold War. Long history of, um, of the Kremlin um, eliminating political opponents overseas in the Cold War. And again, it seems to me that Putin um, uh, has has reactivated that old playbook the brazenness involved of of doing that the lethal brazenness um absolutely as you said um uh, sort of a um uncontested meddling in in inside um the the, the uk then 
Um, and this is really the point I think that, that that is mentioned in the report that this there's not just one aspect. It's not just bots. It's not just this information. There's assassinations. There's the full um, spectrum, if you like, of political warfare that Russia is deploying. Um, yes, in old fashioned terms, uh, assassinations, but also in modernized terms. I'd also just like to pick up on a, on a point that Jonathan raised earlier about China um, and that China seems to be echoing or is echoing. Um, whether they're actually actively coordinating with Russia, I don't know, um, but certainly echoing many of the some you know the same tradecraft that Russia has deployed recently and in the past um, in order to undermine um, confidence in Western democracies through bots and disinformation and through um, um, uh, political warfare activities, um, money paid to to um, uh, think tanks and so on in the U.S. Um, this seems to me the big thing that we're talking about here, both with Russia and with China, is the fact that we are, whether we like it or not, in a new Cold War. The new Cold War has a lot of the trappings and similarities of the first Cold War, um, some, some key differences as well. But there does seem to me this continuity between what Russia is doing today with the, with the past, with the post-Second World War past, and now China coming on board. Um, and adopting many of the, 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 the same um, tradecraft kinds of activities um, as, as Russia. Just finding the last few minutes we've we've got before the news. What should the government be doing? I suppose well, I suppose two two things. What would the, what will Russia's response be to this? I mean, will they be happy with this report? Because it sort of adds to the sense of uh, you know their, their their overwhelming power. And what should the government do about this? Uh, start with you, Jonathan. Well, first of all, I think the government shouldn't be too obsessed with trying to quantify the impact. One of the problems is that we are chasing hairs here. It would be difficult, as we heard from our colleague from the United States, it would be difficult for, forever to be able to measure the impact in electoral terms. I think one has to take the view that it is, is a thoroughly malign influence that at the end of the day is critically important to rebuff because it challenges the validity of our political system. We have, as our colleague reminded us, to accept that we are in a new Cold War, which doesn't mean to say we have to repeat all the scenarios of the past, but we are in a new Cold War. And we have to identify these objectives, these kind of act actors, in a much more direct way and rebuff them in a much more direct way. It won't be easy, but it is perfectly doable. The question is lack of resources and lack of attention. Uh, Calder Walton, finally, what would, what would you advise the government doing? Do you, do you agree with Jonathan? We, I do agree with Jonathan. I think that, you know, what the Kremlin will likely do is to deny everything. Um, you know, there's a long history of this, that at the height of the Cold War, the Kremlin denied it had any intelligence services whatsoever. So <laughs> um, they will doubtless deny uh, all of this. What should the British government do? Um, follow the money. And I know that we've already talked about that. That's what's going on over here. That's what needs to go on over there. Um, following the money is going to be absolutely key. And this, um, as your listeners might be interested to know, is exactly why there's so much motivation in trying to find Trump's tax returns over here. In other words, trying to find the money and to see if there are any Russian connections uh, with Trump. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's really good to have two people who really know their stuff uh, try, to, try to get under the 
the, the the headlines of the, the this Russian report. That was Jonathan, uh, Dr. Jonathan Ayle, uh, the senior director of the defence and security think tank RUSI in London, and Dr. Calder Walton, who's director of research at the Intelligence Project in Harvard University in the US. That's all we've got time for on this episode. To listen to the whole Times Radio show, just go to the Times Radio app and click Listen Again. To make sure you don't miss future episodes of the podcast, subscribe on Apple, Acast, Spotify or wherever you listen. And to read more about what we've been talking about on the podcast, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Radio to subscribe. But for now, for me, Matt Cholly, it's goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.